0: Welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson. The Head Shepherd Podcast is brought to you by NextGen Agri. At NextGen Agri, we're focused on livestock and genetics and technology, those three subjects, and that's what we'll cover here at Head Shepherd. They're the three things that we love talking about, the three things we love learning about, and the three things that we work with our clients on. So you can expect to hear from both myself and the team here at NextGen Agri, as well as leading experts that work across those three aspects of livestock production. Well, welcome back to Head Shepherd. Fantastic this week to have Russ Davis from Seaver Animal Health with us. Welcome, Russ.
1: Uh, thanks, Mark. It's, uh, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to be here.
0: Russ, we've uh, spent a bit of time around in, in Shearing Sheds Together talking about uh, reproduction and genetics, the two things that you and I are keen on. You've had a bit of a, an unorthodox route into sheep reproduction. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your, how, you, how you've ended up where you, where you are?
1: Uh, yeah, Mark, it is a bit this, isn't it? It started off pretty uh, conventional, you know, family farm, station, and uh, and progressed from there to feedlots. My dad went into a partnership two really big feedlots uh, in WA, did you get up in Red Hill, you know, that classic era of 55, 60 kilo export weathers, and we had two Farms running 100,000 uh, sheep each, exporting every eight weeks. The intense time, and and from that I was asked to uh, build a set of yards in a feedlot in Yemen uh, as a 20-year-old. I set off overseas and arrived in uh, Yemen, which was an unknown place then, and. Uh, I did actually end up building a set of yards, but I had to build the feedlot around them first. So that was a pretty interesting time and wasn't a lot of feed available. In fact, there wasn't a lot of planting gone into that. So in the end, I'd got a loosened farm up and running and stopped cutting green sudaks to feed sheep and cattle. And uh, when it got pretty unstable in Yemen politically for a few years. So I went to... Um, Worked for a Danish company in Egypt, in Alexandra. And then after a year, I really had had enough and I came back to Australia, worked on cattle stations, Gordon Downs and Flora Valley in the top end of Western Australia until I decided to have a complete career change and I joined the Army. It was a pretty interesting time, really, in the Army. I started at, at, a, at the Amphibious Regiment and then went to the Royal Australian Regiment, 3rd Battalion, parachute, then on to uh, an instructional posting at Survival Wing and then to my second instructional posting at the Junior Leadership School, which was then the Army Adventures Training Centre, and then discharged and ended up, you know, back in the sheep. So always my first passion to sheep. And uh, what I found when I came back after being out of the industry for, you know, the better part of twenty years I found that the brand names had changed a bit, but the molecules were the same and and good farming was good farming.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So somewhere out of all that background, you ended up quite interested in in sheep sheep reproduction. How did how did that come about?
1: Well, even as a kid I always thought that the money was in managing reproduction. And I thought that we at the time paid a fair bit of lip service to it. You know, we would always <laughs> look at the figures and we would wonder why we didn't get a good lambing or wonder why certain sheep weren't performing, but we didn't analyse it. We never analysed it at the time. And I'm not just talking about my family farm. I'm, I, I think generally speaking, we didn't analyse it. I question now, even, even now, whether we do. I always thought that reproduction was the heartbeat of an animal enterprise was thought when you manage the reproductive events, um, that it was a pure you know, it just drove margin and profitability.
0: Yeah, no fantastic. And you obviously spent a fair bit of time reading the literature because you can quote lots of stuff. Is that just out of personal interest or part of the part of the role or
1: Well it's a bit of both. Mark, I just for some reason I have the ability to absorb information and remember the bits that seem to be relevant. And then it always sets me off on a on a path, and I I'm never content with not understanding an event. I I want more. I've always wanted more, and I've always wanted a better understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, we probably share share a bit of that passion of of wanting to understand more. And good thing about sheep production is that we've got plenty to understand that we don't know yet. So we've got have got a few good years in front of us.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting that COVID, you know, my, my wife said to me that uh, this was the first Easter I'd spent in Australia for nine years and uh, it was certainly the longest period of time I've been in one spot for about 10 years. And it allowed me to go back over probably 10 years of collected data and and to look at some really interesting trends which really come back to... Sheep are sheep, and uh, science is science, and you can play around the edges, but you know, you have to follow the scientific principles no matter what you do. And sheep repro is one of them.
0: And your current role at SEVA Animal Health, Ross?
1: Yeah, so currently I'm the business unit manager for small ruminants in Australia, and I also um, am a part of a international bracket within SEVA. SEVA Animal Health, while relatively small and unknown in australia it's actually a really large company it's a sixth largest animal health company in the world and uh in europe it is number one in repro so there's a really big reproduction focus in europe so i'm a part of the small ruminant team uh in europe you know for the world but in europe um, do a lot of research so i've got uh, a project happening right now in um, the University of Thessaloniki in Greece, and then another one that um, I'm a part of a team in Zaragoza in Spain. So it's pretty broad. They give me a lot of licence. Yeah, I really enjoy it.
0: And you, uh, you're investing in a bit of research in Australia as well around around repro?
1: Yeah, so we've had a couple of um, big projects. We've got one on the go now as well, but um, I'll talk to you in a couple of years. Uh, we did a really big research project with Sydney Uni. It came from customer questions, and um, it was about matching performance with rams to use. And uh, the, the detail of research um, in Regan for CIVA, uh in Australia is incredible. The original research led by Professor Linton Staples is quite extraordinary. Millions of dollars in today's terms it would have cost to do that research. So he led me, there was a gap about understanding um, ram performance uh, early in the season, well, in fact, out of joining season. So we looked at that and we uh, made some pretty interesting discoveries.
0: Very good. So out of what you've read, what you've done, what you've sort of contributed to, what do you see the biggest gaps in making gain in reproduction in the sheep industry across Australasia?
1: Look, I still, I, I still think the biggest gap, that we're looking at is a misunderstanding of how sheep perform. I think there's a huge uh, gap in understanding about what new lambs are capable of doing and younger sheep, mainly because you see such hit and miss results. You know, when someone gets 85% conception and 130% lambing percentage, they're all really excited and I'm thinking, but that's the norm, that's what you should be aiming for. Why did you get 60 and? 60% 60% conception and why we're at 80% lambing percentage. And when you drill that data back, you look at it and you kind of go, but that's an obvious challenge and that's not going to change. You know, the reason that occurs is because we have averaged and grouped our uh, information and communication of information for too long. So we need to individualise to farms to make the breakthrough. That's where I reckon the gap is, too much averaging in the industry.
0: And so how would you go about that on, a, on an individual enterprise about working out what that individual needed?
1: I think it comes back to, you know, a production audit, have a look at where they're at currently, where they want to go and, uh, and the tools available to them. There's so many breakthroughs, there's so many good sheep around the genetic advancement, you know, Mark, that have been quite instrumental in creating, there's still some production gaps where there's a misunderstanding about whether it's a time of year, whether it's the age of the animal, the birth month of the, of the animal. There's a few of those loose ends just not tied up yet.
0: Yeah, and no, I agree. It's really difficult to have a recipe for how to maximise the opportunity. It's It is very specific to... Where that farm is, what they're trying to achieve, the sheep type, and I mean, so certainly as you started with, the principles all apply. It's just working out which ones apply best and and when and and what the what the limitation is for that individual enterprise.
1: Absolutely, and the, and the key question sometimes certainly advisors forget to ask themselves is, can the farmer profit from my product or my service or my Idea that you've got to keep that in mind. Can the farmer profit? And that that That's in the forefront of my mind all the time. And the industry on the whole has done a great job with bringing the level of understanding up. Now, I think the next few years it's about creating really effective individual packages. And you know, that's uh, one of the things COVID 19 has allowed us to do is get better and better at the digital message and our ability to remotely communicate so that we can tailor the, the package, to tailor the message to the farm.
0: Yeah, yeah no, fantastic. Um, so one of Seaver's uh, big products is a regular product in the sheep industry. Any myths that need busting around around what regular does and doesn't do?
1: Yeah, quite a few. Let me start with the, the, the one that we get all the time, right? You can't put a high-performance product into a low-performance product and think it's going to fix it. How's that? Is that diplomatic enough?
0: That's pretty, that's diplomatic for you.
1: Yeah. Regulin is in the top 30% of farmers who have got their management squared away, got good quality sheep, because all it does is it takes away the seasonality of an animal. It doesn't fix low feed. It doesn't fix a worm burden. It doesn't induce puberty. You know, that's really important. There, there's a few others big thing about ewe lambs is it doesn't induce puberty you know like it, it simply allows you know the animal to actually express estrus if it's capable of it that that's a really important understanding and i think the other one is is that to overcome the seasonality issue of sheep and, and can i clarify seasonality in sheep mark is that yeah, all right you may ross they're a seasonal breeder, so you know, they're a short-day breeder. They like short days, long nights. And the reason that they need a long night is because melatonin, it's the hormone that triggers that fertility response in sheep, is only produced at night. So that's why they <laughs> at their peak in Right? That's That's really important to understand. Now, it's not that sheep don't join year-round because there are sheep that do that. It's that they have a productive dip. And it's that productive dip is what costs money. It's why you have a you know, a lower conception and lambing percentage in spring and early summer joint. That's all that Regulin does, just fixes that productive hit. So that's that's really important. The other one I get quite a lot is concerns from stud farmers, is that Regulin doesn't change the genetic capability of an animal. It allows it to express its capability, but it doesn't, Give it some sort of super cheap boost. If you have a, a you know, a ram that's a five thousand dollar ram, for instance, in March, in October, it's not performing at its five thousand dollar peak because it's thirty percent off its game. Reglan fixes the thirty percent. That's all. So it's not a one shot fixes everything, Mark.
0: So yeah. So just to just to clarify, so melatonin is yeah the hormone that's released naturally in sheep and increases in its concentration uh, as the days get shorter. Is that correct?
1: Correct. And all Regulin is is a a compressed melatonin implant wrapped in a polymer that allows it to pay out so that we can match that melatonin level as if it was autumn.
0: So for those out there who sort of are joining earlier in, so your Novembers, your Decembers, and might be at the pub comparing lambing percentages or, or scanning percentages with someone who's put the rams out in March, you're at a sort of 20% discount or disadvantage yeah. before you even get started.
1: Correct. And it's not that you, you're not farming well. It's not that your sheep aren't any good. It's the evolutionary process. It's science. They just don't have enough melatonin to trigger that fertility response.
0: And that's true across so We know that breeds like merinos and Poldorsets are, are less impacted, but we know, but they still still are impacted by day length.
1: Correct. And the more seasonal breeds. So if you think about, you know, the less seasonal breeds, as you say, polled Dorset and merinos, then we can get them to be efficient joiners back in October, first cross back in October. But true British breeds, and uh, you know some composites as well. Is you can get them, you can advance them into the second week of January, but you can't drag them more forward than that. It's it's too much seasonality. They're too deep in an estrus to to pull them out.
0: And just to clarify, so ovulation rates increasing as you go shorter days. Does that mean you've got less dries and more twins, triplets, or is it is it just more twins and triplets?
1: No, it's less dries. It's less dries, more twins. Tripling doesn't change very much unless the breed is genetically, you know, bent to that level of fecundity, still stays at 1% or 2%, our data shows all that, and you tighten it up. So you increase, well, certainly libido and volume of um, sperm per ejaculate changes in rams and their libido changes. So you get about a week's compression as well certainly tightens the lambing period up significantly.
0: Yeah, and so that's a good point that I'm not sure we've covered, that we're not just talking about the females in this situation. Both males and females are are impacted by day length.
1: Yeah, it was, it was interesting this, I'll go back to the work we did at Sydney Uni. Well, it was a serious trial. There were 50 rams involved, um, 25 polled horses, 25 Uh, merino rams, they were all stud quality. And we looked at those and and we actually implanted them and we collected semen every week for 12 weeks, gave them a rest, and then we collected semen every two weeks through the breeding season because we wanted to see if there's any uh, negative effect. And what we found was that uh, the amount of sperm per ejaculate increased by over 50%. In the pole Dorsets, lesser in uh, Merinos, but still a significant increase. And then that was that was published. Now, Simon De Graff was the lead researcher. Professor Simon De Graff um, was the lead researcher. That paper is published and actually on our website. There are some unpublished papers that will come out there in peer review now, which showed uh, an improvement in DNA integrity and a reduction in. ROS. So ROS is reactive oxygen species, which is the attacking protein, if you will, in semen that causes fragmentation. So that will be published, and that's really exciting. That was quite, while it was replicated in some Spanish work, it was a first for Australia and very exciting to the research team.
0: Yeah, cool. So obviously I can understand how full well, number of sperm per ejaculate uh, is a good thing. Tell me a, more about those last couple of things, about what that means for for a sheep producer out there?
1: So more than anything, it's the stud guys that are thawing semen. So if they're freezing semen on the thaw in the regular and implanted animal, so regular and impacted semen, we saw an improvement in the quality of semen by about 30 to 40%. So that that's a really big deal for um, people that are selling semen. I guess it's a bigger deal if you're buying semen. And um, that's a really yeah. big deal. But just a note on this because we did some other work on border lesters at Sardi in South Australia. Found an interesting thing in those significant uh, improvement in libidos, you know, by almost double. And then twinning came up. This this was rams over unimplanted use. Twinning went up in the older rams, conception went up in the younger rams and the use. When we replicated that work, there was always a bit of a challenge, and I couldn't understand why the researchers were confused. It doesn't matter how good the the semen in a ram is, it doesn't matter how high the libido in a ram mark. If the ewe is not expressing estrus, pregnancy doesn't occur. (laughs)
0: Thanks for that clarification, mate.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, how did that? So, that's embryo mortality, that higher twin scanning then. Is that what that...
1: Well, we think, yeah, look, it's a bit unresolved. There's some additional work come out of Spain with a researcher, Professor Alfonso Evesea, and uh, he's released a paper on uh, impact of embryo survival by melatonin. So we used Regulin as a melatonin carrier to increase it. And look, it's purely about, we think, antioxidant behaviour. Melatonin is an incredibly powerful antioxidant. An antioxidant, if you will, is the protective agent. And so we just, you know, in our own work in Australia, we found not an increase in embryos but an increase in viable embryos with with regular use. And uh, and now we're seeing with this long study done at Zaragoza, we're seeing an improvement in the setting rate of embryos. So a pretty exciting time.
0: Yeah, there's some fascinating things around all that reproductive process that, and as we know more, we have more questions to ask. Generally, but but we've got to keep asking the questions and and keep finding the answers.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Russ, I also wanted to just touch on. I know that when you're when you are allowed on planes, just spend a, spend a fair bit of time in in China. Do you want to talk about what you're what you're up to over there?
1: Yeah. So I'm working on uh, a few projects in China at the moment. I'm doing it remotely, which is uh, quite trying, but. Uh, One was a is a uh, personally incredibly fulfilling project, which is part of the poverty reduction um, scheme in China, and that was a project where we developed a thousand head localized breeding farms with an attached feedlot, so the farming, the local farmers put their sheep under professional care, and we elevated the conception rates and the survival rates of lambs and really got their um, lambs uh, growing really well. And then they the farmers concentrate on producing feed. So basically they had a, a three-way increase in their income capability. That was a project that involved 10 farms. That was proof of concept and now that's going to be rolled out to 1,000 1, new collective farms. And the other one um, that I'm involved in is a 50,000 new breeding farm that's just been expanded to 70,000 with attached feedlot, manure processing facility, which turns it into compost back to the local community for crop growth. Uh, a really cool greenhouse to grow all the vegetables for the workers that live there. And um, I'm doing a lot of accelerated lambing there. It's it's fantastic facility. A lot of money involved, um, but, but it's great to be working where I can control the light control the diets, measure everything that comes out. So it's, uh, you know, we started off with three lambings in two years and we're accelerating that to five lambings in three years and uh, everything's timed to the day. So it's pretty interesting stuff and some pretty good learnings to come out of there um, in practice for Australia, I think, going forward.
0: Yeah, really interesting. So in that poverty reduction, it's bringing in their sheep into uh, central central location to yeah. to essentially help improve their management and therefore improve yeah. their income.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh yeah, we sort of at the moment look at China as the big bad buggy man, but we I think sometimes we forget some of the good things they've done. You know, twenty five percent of the world's population let out of poverty in the last twenty years is fair achievement. Definitely. And um, to be involved in that is uh you know is Pretty um personally rewarding to be honest.
0: Fantastic. And and as we know, they don't do anything by halves, so obviously that expansion is probably insane on most of our most of our metrics. But
1: uh... Oh yeah. we well, talk about that, but in the region that I work in they were behind their environmental targets. So the local governor, the governor of the province gave them a bit of a tune up and in one weekend they planted twenty seven million trees.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It's a lot of trees. That is a lot of trees. Thanks very much, Russ. Fantastic to to have you on Head Shepherd. uh We've had a few good years traveling around shearing sheds. Not sure when we get back to that sort of caper, but uh in the meantime, we can we can talk by this medium. And it's yeah, it's fascinating to to get into the real intricacies of, of reproduction and think about the little bits that we can, the little one percenters, two percenters that we can change to keep improving what is a really important target for the sheep industries on both sides of the ditch is to keep improving reproduction and particularly around improving lamb survival, obviously, but just in, improving profitability through, through reproduction is a big focus of mine and, and one of yours.
1: Oh, absolutely, Mark. And you're right, it's about, you know, good use, good lambs, both surviving through the process.
0: Yep, fantastic. And thanks, so thanks very much for coming along.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks very much, Mark. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thanks, Russ. Really interesting interview there with Russ Davis from Siva Animal Health. Thanks very much for listening. Remember, you can find out more about Next Gen Agri at www.nextgenagri.com. We have a range of information on that site, including our training courses. We've recently piloted our Farm Fit Use course, which covers nutrition and genetics. I got some really great feedback from the farmers that were good enough to join us for that afternoon to, to pilot that program. And we're really looking forward to getting that out to you really soon. So sign up on our to our newsletter on our website or get in touch with an email to to get yourself on the waiting list to, to do that course. The Sheep Breeding Course is still receiving great feedback. We've had some really great calls with, with those people doing that course over the last couple of weeks, doing Zoom calls, providing an opportunity to ask questions. So if that sounds interesting to you, get in touch with, with one of us here at NextGen Agri. The Next Gen masters is not too far away, three weeks away this weekend, so it's on the 1st and 2nd of August, really great opportunity for young people in agriculture in New Zealand to get together, particularly in the sheep industry, and to learn a few skills as well as interact with, with like-minded young folk as well as some of us old, not, not so young folk, uh, but it should be a, a great weekend, great afternoon on Saturday through, to, through Sunday morning with a real real focus on skills building as well as as well as building some some positive energy around around the sheep industry so if you'd like to know more about that definitely get in touch with us through any of our social media channels thanks once again for listening we love providing head shepherd and and great to hear the great feedback that we get during the week and that's a wrap for now so we'll catch you on the next episode thanks very much cheers